0: Y'all know in the past I've told you that what the studies have revealed is that most people can't remember what the preacher preached on by the middle of the week. By Wednesday, it's all gone. Can't remember. I'm going to see if y'all remember what I preached on this morning. You ready? I preached on two, I listed, not counting the ones that go to church here or went to church here, there was two names that I gave you this morning that were listed as obedient servers. Don't leave me hanging. All right, there we go who were they? Philip? Who was the other one? Who was it that led D.L. Moody to the Lord? Tim, Tim. Kimball. Edward Kimball. And so people say, well, D.L. Moody led a lot of people to the Lord. Well, who was important was Edward Kimball because he led D.L. Moody to the Lord. So that was a, that was a, a something real important. So you'll remember that. One obedient servant is so what we talked about this morning. So Let's talk about some things this evening. So you wonder why God, why he chose to enter Jesus into this world in in a manger, in a stable, in a barn, you know, whatever it looked like. You ever thought about that? Why did God seem to think that that's where Jesus needed to arrive into this world? I mean, just a general delivery. I mean, that most people were delivering their children at their homes, right? I mean, what was, what was it different about? Why did God seem to think this needs to be a different idea, a different way that, that the Messiah is going to enter this world? That's what the nativity is all about. That's what it talks about. And that's over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about the different aspects of the nativity, what God was planning, how he was orchestrating Jesus to get into this world Each of those elements have importance. You know, we talked about why God or why Jesus became a man last week. Tonight we're going to talk about why the stable and we'll talk about why Mary. Why was Mary chosen, a 13-year-old virgin? Why was she chosen over another 13-year-old virgin? Why was it Mary? Why was so important about this young lady? You know, why were there wise men? Why was there shepherds? Why was all these different aspects of this? Because God orchestrated every bit of it because every, every aspect of it had a purpose. And that's what we want to look at. Now, there's only one passage of Scripture tonight, and we're getting into that Christmas season. And we start talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. It starts talking about Christmas, and it gets a little excited about that. We're already talking about the youth possibly having a, a, a Christmas special, or, you know, some type of event for us. Christmas is upon us. And we're going to start talking about that, and we want to look at some things. But we cannot be certain of the birthplace of Jesus Christ, whether it was a, a shed, whether it was... I mean, you think about these manger scenes. When you build one for going to your front yard, you build one at the church, you know, what it looks like. What, is, what, is, what picture do you have in your head about what this thing looks like? Anybody? Nobody. Y'all don't know what a manger looks like? Huh? something wooden, some wooden tops, some posts, you know, rustic looking, just, you know, but you think about this, now, we don't know if that's exactly what the stable looked like. We don't know if it wasn't some kind of cave carved out in the, in the stone. But we know that it was where animals were maintained, where animals were uh, gathered together. So we don't truly know what it looked like. But in this particular day and time, it could have been anything. But we use the word stable. okay? And the word stable is not found in nativity, but in the scripture it talks about manger. And the manger is actually a feed trough, all right? And so that's where they get stable from, but it could have just been a cave. It could have been any number of things. We don't know exactly what it is. There's some, there's some thought that we know the vicinity that it was, but we don't know what it looked like because there's, I'm going to share with you today about some, some history about what took place from the time Jesus was born Until present day, all the different things that took place in that area, and it could have looked very different, okay? So the scripture says uh, that he was lying in a manger, which is a feeding trough. So what we do know is it had to do with an area that housed animals, all right? So he was born with a bunch of animals. He wasn't born in no palace. He wasn't born in no hospital. He wasn't born in anybody's bathroom or their living room, their bedroom, or inside anybody's house. He was born in a place that housed animals. And so we're country folks around here. We know what that looks like. But let's look at the scripture, all right? Haley, can we put that up? All righty. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 2. And if you want to look at your Bible, it's Luke chapter 2. And I want to read these scriptures. And you have heard this. Numerous times, but it says, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That first one tells you that this was not a natural event. That when they saw the angel of the Lord, they were shocked. They didn't know what was going on. They were terrified is what it says. They were scared about what was taking place. Now, let me let me tell you just a little history real quick. These were not ordinary shepherds. So what was different about these shepherds as in, other shepherds anybody know anybody no the were were they, for they were different what was different about them were they, they were sacrificial sheep okay these particular shepherds were in charge of unblemished sheep these were supposed to be perfect sheep perfect lambs they were the ones that were going to be sacrificed so these shepherds had a different charge than just general shepherds all right these shepherds were in charge of the ones that were going to be sacrificed all right so they were terrified but the angel said to them here we go again an angel speaking because what is an angel a messenger they're bringing a message all right so the angel said to them all right don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great what? Joy. Is joy important? Enjoy what we talk about? When somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, joy is, is what they, in, they experience, okay? Great joy for all people, not just for a handful of people, but for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, all right? And everybody else, all people, who is the Messiah, the Lord, now, here's another one. This will be a sign for you. What's a sign? Remember? Come on, I told you I couldn't remember past Wednesday. <laughs> what does it point to? A sign points to what? something greater than itself. Remember we talked about that? So a sign points to you to something else. I told you I said if there's a stop sign there, it is a sign, but it's basically pointing to something that's more important than that sign, which means you better stop or you're liable to have an accident. A sign points to something greater. Jesus provided signs for us, but this is a sign for you. This sign is pointing to to the Savior, the Messiah, but it's also pointing to God's unconditional love, and that's what—that's the reason Jesus came. So it's a sign for you. All right, you will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, so for lambs and sheep to be unblemished, what did they do to them to make sure they didn't have flaws on them? They wrapped them tightly. All right? They wrapped him tightly so that he wouldn't have flaws and that everything would be perfect around him. That's what this relates to. You'll find him wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. You're going to find him just like you see your sheep, just like you take care of your sheep. You're going to see him lying in a manger, wrapped tightly in cloth, all right? So you think about it in this day and age, babies are born, may or may not have been wrapped tightly in cloth. But this is specific. We want you to understand this. That the angels tell them, I want you to make sure you understand this is the way you take care of your lambs. This is the way you take care of the sheep to make sure they're unblemished, He's going to be exactly the same way, lying in a manger. All right, it it was a sign to prove that the baby born would be the savior of the world. All right, so all these are things that were pointing to Jesus Christ. So you think about it. All right, so that now the shepherds are going to head out looking for this baby lying in a manger. I mean, you think how many how many babies you think were born on this particular night that are lying in the manger? How many? One. Absolutely. If it not going to be hard for you to find them. Just go to the mangers. Don't go to the birthing centers. Don't go to the inns. Now, I, I can tell you that probably Mary and Joseph would have loved to been at the inside the inn. They probably would have loved to been in a secluded area. They probably would have loved to been somewhere protected because they've been journeying. You know, he's been walking. She's been riding on the donkey all this time. It's been dusty. Uh, they. Who knows if they've had a bath? Alright, Things are getting a little bit rough for them, and they get to, to where they're where she's going to have the baby. And all of a sudden, you thinking, well, you're not going to have a bath. There's no running water. You, basically, if you want to go over there where the animals are, that's the only place you got. And you think about that's exactly what took place. All right? But you're going to find him in, in the Bethlehem, and you're going to find him in a manger, and you're going to find him wrapped tightly. All right? So let's look at a few things. Let's look at some history stuff about this, all right? So first century Roman reports mentioned a cave that's believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. They believe it was an area that was a cave that was cut out of the stone, which is where they put the animals up and out of the weather, all right? And certainly animals were sheltered in the caves, all right? But wouldn't it, here's a little thing to think about. Now, this is strictly speculation, but when you think about shepherds, And you think about the Savior of the world who's going to be born, who's going to be the good shepherd. And you think about all the things about shepherd. Wouldn't it be interesting to know that perhaps this is the same cave that David had rested his animals in years ago? Maybe it was the same cave. And this is all speculation, but you can't check me on it because... You can't prove that it's not, right? huh? You can't prove that he didn't do it. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be neat that if David would have been in this exact same place when he wrote Psalm 23, when he talked about the good shepherd? you know, Wouldn't it be neat because Jesus is going to be a descendant of David, but wouldn't it be neat if, if David had wrote the 22nd Psalm when he talked vividly about the crucifixion that was going to take place? All these things are lined up. Now, you tell you think about it. God orchestrated all this to take place. God could have orchestrated all that to take place as well. And he did, but it could be the exact same location as, as when when Jesus is born. All right. What we can be certain about is that Jesus, which was David's descendant, was born nearby in some unspecified area that these shepherds were at, where they were keeping their sheep. And all that comes together, and we, we call it the Nativity and when we look at the nativity, it makes for, for great Christmas cards. When we see the angel and we see the, the stable and we see this, this light that's shining behind it, this big star bright down and we see all these shepherds standing around and it's, it's all pretty Christmas card, right? It looks good. Well, how many of y'all have ever been to a barn? Huh? A barn. B-A-R-N. Barn. Is that spelled Right. I'm not an English major. All right, let's go even further. Barns that have animals in them. Huh? Got a good smell, right? Oh, Lord. Yep. It is not, is it? You've been to a barn. I'm going to get a little closer into that. Let's just think about that. All right. All right. It makes a fine picture, though, but anyhow. All right. Last time you went to a barn and visited a barn... The smell is anything but holy. Would you not agree? It's not a holy smell. <laughs> this could be a holy smell. Huh? It smells good. These lilies, this lily, right? Is that real or is they sprayed something on it? It smells good, but that's not what a barn smells like, is it? Huh? It's anything but a great smell. Hay makes us sneeze. There's insects everywhere. All right? And let me share something with you. I was younger in my life. We lived on a farm. Right, it's actually the same place that Patty and I stay now, but um, cows, hogs, chickens, and turkeys. Those were the things we had. Each one of those puts off a byproduct that's not very pleasant. You can get them all together. They're all different, different, distinct odors, but they're, they're tough. My grandfather had a sense of humor, just like probably Myron or some of Myron's people, and he said, what, is, what does he say that smells like? Money. What kind of nut says that? <laughs> that smells like money. My granny said that smells like money. I said no, you you got a, your sinuses are jacked up or something. There's there's no way that smells like money. Smell like that, money. Holy yeah. cow! Smell like that. I tell him I said that smells like dirty animals and manure, sweaty, dirty, wet. I mean. All right, let me just say, you love your dogs, but when they get wet from being outside, what do they smell like, Brother Wesley? They need a bath. Well, these animals didn't take no baths back in this time, all right? So let's just think about it. I'm quite sure that Mary and Joseph would have preferred to have been somewhere other than this place, but this is where they were at. This is what they were dealing with, all right? All right, so you think about what's taking place in in, uh, in Bethlehem. It's working alive with people. There's people everywhere going, coming and going. There's nowhere to stay. There's no privacy. There's no protection. There's, you know, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have it in there with the animals. And who knows who else is going to be coming by. All right? So so just get the picture of what's taking place here. All right? So the Son of God came to this earth, uh, not with worldly leaders, Not in the palace, he was not in a shrine, but he came to this world in a stable in a manger. All right, that's what we're going to talk about now. I'm going to give you just a a history lesson on this particular event, this particular stable, uh, what it looks like from Jesus from from then all the way up until uh, current time. All right, so let's think about this. The Roman emperor Hadrian would later try to send the message of intimidation by covering its holiness with an assaulting pagan shrine, but he missed the message that had already been sent. He missed the message that Jesus had come to die for in the first place. He missed the message of the reason that Jesus came because he tried to cover it up. Now, let's think about this. When you think about when I'm going to tell you all about what takes place here, you've got to understand when man creates something, it can be torn down. When man creates something, it can be burnt down. But when God creates it, where he puts it, it cannot be destroyed. All right? There's a distinct difference in in this. All right? Jesus had forever covered all of our anger, all of our sin, all of our pride with what? What did he bring us? Unconditional love he brought love he brought forgiveness that's why he came so no matter what people try to do how they try to destroy or do away with it jesus has already covered every bit of it now we go back to hadrian he came for hadrian he came for mary he came for joseph he came for the shepherds. he came for the wise man he came for those people who drove the spikes in his hands and honestly they went in his wrist you think about that all right they went here because this is the word that held the weight we call it the hands, but they stake they stake people up through their wrists and through their feet. All right, but he, Jesus Christ came for them. He said that on the cross. I Man, he said that when they were nailing him to the cross. God, uh, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. All right, He came for each of us. All right, the power of His love would melt away and insult uh, any insult that they tried to cover it with. The emperor's scouts, and we're going back to Hadrian. The Emperor Scouts told about this cave that they thought was the birthplace of Jesus. They also told him about the legend of Jesus. They also told him that, that in the past the, that Jesus was crucified as a criminal, that he was not just a regular person, that they, he was born here, but they, the, his followers worshipped him, and he was crucified as a criminal, and yet his, his followers still exalted him, still lifted him up, still praised his name. All right. And so he tried to cover it up. Hadrian's men located this cave and erected a temple. They dedicated it to Jupiter and Venus. All right. Now, here's some things that happened. Over 200 years later, the Emperor Constantine visited this site himself. He pulled down the remains of the construction that was built earlier and built a Christian church in its place. This is a transition that's taken place. Years later, the Persians knocked down Constantine's church, Christians rebuilt it. Man tears it down, man can rebuild it, all right? So Christians rebuilt it. Then came the Turks to knock it down again. Then rose the church of the nativity, which stands today. It doesn't matter what happens, all right? Let's do it a little bit further. As as recent as 2002, armed Palestinian militants broke into this, occupied this church for 39 days, held it hostage. Israeli snipers killed seven militants and wounded more than 40 others, and then a destructive fire was set to the place where we believed that the Holy Child would have been born. That sound like a lot? Did y'all know all that? I just shared it with you. That's just a refresher. (laughs) All right, I'm almost done. Stay with me, all right? All right, silent nativity was a center of blood and strife. Even peace in the great uh, chapel in Bethlehem was a far cry from the humble stable where God was born through Jesus Christ, all right? He came to bring peace to the world and to reconcile his children with love, not to launch any new struggles between us, which is what always seems to take place, all right? This very site has become a case in point demonstrated why we needed Jesus in the first place. All right? So unassuming was the birthplace that we cannot be certain of its whereabouts, but we do know what's more important. All right? The site of the present church has been pointed out since the first century, so there's no reason to give it credit. You do not. Yet, do we really need to know? This is something important. Do we really need to know where Jesus was born Nah, we really don't need to know. What do we need to know about it? That he was born. That's right. So it's really, this is all what God orchestrated. But there's a reason that he was born in a stable. But it's not so much that we have to know where he was born. We have to know that he was born. And we have to believe by faith that he was born. So let's look at a couple things. Why the stable then? So why was it a stable? So here's the answer. Christ chose a stable in order to identify with the least of these. That's what he says, right? If you've done this for the least of these, you've done it for me. He identifies with the least of us, with the poor and the vulnerable. He demanded none of the world's comforts and protections. When he came into this world, he did not demand the comfort and the protections that are warranted to the king. That are warranted to the King of Kings. That's not what he demanded. He was a humble servant. He was born into poverty. His family was most likely uh, poverty the h- whole time through. We talked about that last week. Most likely they they worked just to get from one week to the next. You know, the father was a carpenter, and most likely that was the provider in the family. But yet God was orchestrating the whole thing. Jesus never lacked for anything, but yet but yet he worked through and came in the humbleness of a meek baby in a stable, all right? Jesus came exposed from the first moment to all the dangers that the world had to offer, and so he remained until they led him to the cross. Never, sh- uh, never worked away from anything. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, just one verse. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. And that by his poverty you might become rich. So there's a reason Jesus came. And he came for the purpose. He, he went from rich to poor. He went from heaven to this earth. For what reason? So that we could what? Go from earth to heaven. Earth to heaven. So that we could go from poor to rich. Because when we get into heaven we'll be rich. And I'm not talking monetary rich. I'm talking about the blessings that God has has waiting for us. All right, we're going to be rich from those things. Jesus chose the least so that we might have the most, and He entered by the stable so that we could live in a palace. And that's exactly what happened. What do you think about that? Is that good? I actually, take a bunch of notes. Hmm. All right, that's all I got for that. Any?